You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Modern Musicology, and we ain't afraid of no ghosts. Just going to say that right up front. My name's Alan. I've got my buddies, Anthony. Greetings. And Rob. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah. I should have and... said, Aroo, because obviously I'm a werewolf of London. If anyone could <laughs> see me on the video stream, listeners, I, I have a big beard. I'm very, very hairy as a person. I mean, I could pass for a werewolf, and I'm from London. <laughs> and sadly, this week we aren't joined by our good friend Stephanie Seymour. Stephanie is busy elsewhere. She gives out the good candy, so she is just overwhelmed with trick-or-treaters tonight. So unfortunately, that's where her priorities are, and she wasn't able to join us for our recording. So Stephanie, we miss you, and we hope you're doing well. Don't scare the children too much. So we, this is, this is coming out on Halloween. So this is the spooky episode of Modern Musicology, where we talk about all the great songs of the season. So before we jump into that, though, gentlemen, let's talk really quickly about what we've been listening to this week. Rob, kick us off. So, uh, yes, I'm keeping it, keeping it brief. Um, Dry Cleaning released their brand new album this week called Stumptown. It's really good. She doesn't really sing. She kind of talks things, but it totally works. Um, it's out on Matador, so that's really good. Also, uh, Winter, a band called Winter and What Kind of Blue Are You? So if you're a fan of like shoegaze or like that 90s sort of slow dive ride kind of thing, that's for you. And lastly... Frankie Cosmos. So they're a band, but their lead singer is the daughter of Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates. Hmm. Yeah, which I just found out this week. But uh, their new record, <laughs> Inner World Peace, came out. Well, she didn't want, she purposely changed the, the whole band name's got a whole new because she didn't want it to be, yeah, that's who I am. That makes sense. But that new album's out on Sub Pop. It's a really nice dose of indie rock, and it's really fun. That's awesome. Anthony. Um, so a couple of songs and one entire album. So I'll start with the album. Um, Vukovi's new album, Nula, is uh, something I've really been enjoying. Um, again, kind of noise rock, singer's a woman, great voice. Um, lead single, I Exist, is the highlight. And I know I've mentioned that before, but the entire album is really, really good. But it's hard to get away from that lead single because it's just top notch. Um, other than that, a couple of individual tracks. We are missing our friend Stephanie tonight. I've been listening to her song, There Was a Time, over and over today. I, I don't know why, but it got in my head. It does and I haven't, Yeah. And, and I haven't been able to get it out. And it, uh, Stephanie, just no, you're in my head. <laughs> um, and then otherwise, I know I've mentioned them a lot, but Bloody Wood have a song called Jeevery, 
which is about mental health and um, basically about talking people off the ledge from suicide. It's very, very emotional. It's all about, you know, basically not giving in to your demons. Um, and when they recorded the video for it, they actually pulled together their Patreons. And this was a few years ago now, so it's all expired. But they bought... 60 hours of online therapy sessions for anyone who felt like they need it so they just gifted them they put out like codes for them and it was amazing wow. so they're just really thoughtful sensitive guys um who are doing amazing things in the world so um again please check them out they're awesome they're they're great guys and their music is is pretty pretty good so wow that's impressive yeah, yeah. i that makes me want to support them oh yeah. yeah i'm glad i spent the money to go see them when they swung through atlanta and yeah that's like that's like putting your your money where your mouth is musically yeah so right. that's that's my uh listens this week alan have you got anything well yes i've got a couple of new releases and the first one you know my partner's a big swifty so of course taylor swift new album came out um on friday it's called midnight's and it's okay it's it's not bad it's it's it kind of goes more toward like her you know more like i created this in my bedroom so everything was done you know synthetically basically there's not a, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of live instruments on it and i feel like her her songwriting maybe gets a little more complicated when she's writing in that mode like I don't, I don't find a lot of her the melodies on this album to be you know that accessible there's not a lot of hooks you know but there's a couple of standout tracks anti-hero uh, which is the first single off the album the video came out the same day the album did and it's really cool i like it a lot there's a lot of stuff that sort of blended in you know like i had it on just had it playing and i realized i think three songs have gone by and i didn't even notice the, the change in song um, and then she has a, a, a second version of it called Midnight's the 3 a.m. edition, which has five, five or six or seven additional tracks. So basically a second album. And there's a couple of real standouts on that. So it's like the better the bonus tracks are, are like some of the better things than what ended up on the album. There's one called The Great War, which is fantastic. Bigger than the whole sky, which is um fans are speculating that this may be about a miscarriage don't know but it's really really is a powerful song and it's it seems incredibly personal and incredibly you know introspective and then there's one called would have could have should have which is uh, a really good song so i'm gonna have to give it a little more listen you know, just to let it settle in. But then on the same day, so she had a little bit of competition in, in my heart, and that is the new AHA album, True North, came out. And, you know, everybody who listens to the show has heard me talk about AHA before. They know I love AHA. I've, uh, the, the last good, well, I shouldn't say good, the last album that I loved from top to bottom was um foot of the mountain which i think came out in 2009 i'm not remembering right offhand and this this new album is not quite on that level it's mellow it's not really what i like or want from aha you know so i have to sit with that one a little bit longer too to give it a chance to really grab me but so far eh, there's a couple of standout moments but most of it just hasn't really 
interested me that much. So that's my that's my things for this week. We're going to take a super quick break. We're going to come back in 30 seconds and we're going to talk about the songs of Halloween. So stick around. Be right back. Coming this summer to a podcast near you. Be prepared for the return of the Jedi. No, the return of the King. No, the return of Swamp Thing. You are such an idiot. The return of Oh, 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 the Monster Sci-Fi Show. Yes, it's coming back and it's about time. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the Rebel Alliance, part of your complete breakfast, and part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. And we're back. It is Halloween, and it is time for ghosts and goblins and ghouls and trick-or-treating. So everyone makes Halloween playlists every year, and we're going to talk about some of the things that hit our playlist. We're going to go farther than the typical Monster Mash or Werewolves of London and any of that stuff. We're going we're gonna to tell you some of the stuff that we really dig that sort of says halloween to us so my question to start us off with i'm just kind of curious if there is a style or a genre that you sort of lean toward when you think of halloween do you like when you're picking your halloween songs do you tend toward a particular genre more than any other one that seems more halloweeny to you or is it totally song by song so i i kind of have two answers to this um Excellent. firstly for anyone who doesn't know, my partner is a huge Halloween person. She even has a Halloween Instagram, which is uh, the handle is Rhymes with Halloween because oh, her name is Colleen. And um, she has Halloween playlists and she basically goes for almost anything that's spooky. She loves the very kitschy stuff that we've already mentioned, Monster Mash, um, scary, spooky skeletons, et cetera, et cetera. And she would kill me if I didn't get a mention of those in tonight. So she has a great playlist it has literally every genre um everything from like ghost to that kitschy kind of stuff to like i think there's a kim petrus song in there there will be blood so it's it's literally all over the map for her if it's got a kind of spooky vibe she digs it for me even though most of the year i'm a huge metalhead i gravitate quite heavily towards horror punk um so misfits um and then if you want to go a little earlier um Ramones with Pet Cemetery, right? That kind of thing. I don't know. For some reason, that just really gets me going at Halloween. And the Misfits, for me, are like the crowning jewel in that genre. Yeah, 100% agreed. So for me, it's, it is also a mixed bag. For me, I think the quintessential Halloween band, at least for me, has probably been Oingo Boingo just because they made 2,000 songs that refer to Halloween. But um, <laughs> I really love the sort of Piggybacking off of uh, what A-Dub said about, you know, the punk stuff at the time, I really love that sort of garage rock vibe that happened in the late 50s and early 60s where everything was yeah. like a garage band sound or like the Beatles on speed, right? Yeah. And and But you also get these really incredible novelty records on here. And I've got a couple that are in left field. But, you know, every year when I dive into that stuff, I find something new. Uh, it's just there's so much of it that was made. I don't think people made a record between 1958 and 1965 that wasn't a Halloween record at some point. Everybody recorded at least one. So I love that discovery of like that particular period. I haven't really heard a lot of great hip-hop Halloween records 
I mean, there's a lot of cool like indie alternative stuff and there's some really great old jazz stuff. You know, if you got like Louis Armstrong spooks and some other stuff, but yeah, I'm kind of in that garage, like mid fifties, early stuff. And then the stuff I heard, you know, from the eighties on. So very quickly before Alan jumps in, you mentioned Oingo Boingo. I wanted to give a shout out to, um, what was the name of that track? I really like dead man's party. Mm-hmm. Yes. That track is awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Over to you, Alan. Well, I was going to say it's interesting that you talk about, you know, there was that period where everyone was recording at least one Halloween song. Every artist who has ever put voice to record has done a Christmas song. And there is so much Christmas music that is public domain, so you don't have to pay anybody to record it, you know? It's all there for your taking. And then, you know, you have a lot of artists who write original Christmas stuff, but everyone records the public domain stuff. There isn't really any public domain Halloween stuff. So from that period, everything would have to have been written to be a Halloween song, which I, I find, you know, super. And I'm on a mission now. I'm going to I'm going to start a band and we're just going to record Thanksgiving songs. So clearly we have to write them all because there aren't that many to pick from. But no, there's not. <laughs> Anyway, so I used to be in a band called Hyperdrive, and we played a lot of like horror, sci-fi-ish kind of songs. Any song that had any kind of like, you know, horror, fantasy, sci-fi kind of imagery in it. But we did a lot of stuff that comes from, you know, what you would think of as a good rock Halloween playlist. So we did stuff like Bloodletting by Concrete Blonde, The Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen. God, I love that song. I mean, I love that song at any time, but that, no matter when I hear it, that puts me in such a Halloween mood. Um, A-Dub's already mentioned Pet Cemetery. We used to play that. Bella Lugosi's Dead by the Bauhaus. Living Dead Girl, Rob Zombie. So, you know, a lot of our set list. And actually, you know, the very first gig we ever played was at a Halloween party. So I'm sure that all this stuff comes from like that first set list we ever put together. Yeah, and for me, having, you know, doing one show every year where I devote myself to Halloween music, mm. I have to make it a point to try to find at least something new to put in. Like whether, like this year I got lucky because the Pixies recorded a track called Haunted House, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so I've got like a couple new things every year I can kind of throw in to be contemporary. But like it is an ongoing feast of discovery looking at Halloween music. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, there's so much of it. And some of it is just so um, fascinating because it's a slice of American popular culture of a time. And mm. that is also pretty cool. Every, you know, one of the things that I enjoy most about doing this show is that most of the topics that we do, you know, I end up doing some research for some more than others. But I always discover something that I wasn't aware of before. And I found a couple of things this time that I had never heard of before that I really love. One of them is Boogie Monster by Gnarls Barkley. Mm. And the other one is a is just going way back to the time period that Rob was talking about. It's a classic. I'd never heard it before. It's an Eartha Kitt song called I'd Rather Be Burned as a Witch. Ooh. Oh, my God. What a great song. Yeah. That's immediately going on any future Halloween playlist that I make. So I feel the need to jump in uh, to be Captain Obvious with a couple of my regular listens. Um, 
you will know I'm a huge ghost fan, and their whole shtick is the the faux Satanism thing, which of course fits perfectly with Halloween. Um, particularly, you know, songs like Square Hammer, which has that kind of fifties um, like alien movie. I forget what the instrument is called. Um, going through, is it like a theremin? theremin mm-hmm. yeah ther- it's got that like that kind of theremin sound nice um they have a ton of songs obviously about satan they've got a song about elizabeth bathory um they've got a <laughs> song about alistair crowley so all of that kind of shtick works really really well and yeah. some of them are kind of poppy enough where they can coexist on a playlist with um like modern pop songs the other band I really got into this year, and Ghost actually took them out as their support act on their most recent US tour, is a band called Twin Temple. And if you're not familiar with Twin Temple, they are a satanic doo-wop band. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. They have songs oh called God. things like Satan's a Woman and um, Babylon, and they're just they're brilliant. Definitely check out Twin Temple. And then of course, a lot of the classic heavy metal bands, and as I mentioned, you guys know I'm a huge metalhead, have kind of spooky, have mm-hmm. a spooky or slashery type theme song. Uh, you know, Judas Priest has The Ripper. Mm-hmm. Iron Maiden have Phantom of the Opera. Um, yeah. Iced Earth, who are fronted by a man who's a total piece of shit because he was one of the people that stormed the Capitol and got arrested by the fbi but before he got radicalized he did an entire album called horror show that was an album of horror themed songs and when that came out no one had any idea of his tendencies so Hmm. that uh was something i used to enjoy now i can't listen to it because i realized what an awful human being he is Hmm. um but you know obviously a huge amounts of this stuff on the metal scene and of course the band halloween or halloween halloween absolutely Um, i've got a few halloween songs on my list too (laughs) and they're fun and they call their fans pumpkin heads it's great right right but okay that's true but if you go all the way back to the very beginning the first techno i mean you know the first real heavy metal song that you ever hear the first track on the first black sabbath album is so dark it I mean, that yeah. song fucking creeps me out now, you know, much less having heard it, you know, at the time. It It's still, I find it disturbing. It's still can you spooky. Imagine, can you imagine if that came out in like 1963 rather than 1970? I mean, that people right. would have rioted if it was just a few years earlier. Right. And I'm sure, I mean, even in 1970, it was so different than anything else that was happening. There had to be people yeah. that reacted against it. I mean, yeah. it sounds like the fucking devil is just going to come right into your soul. It does. And I, you know, I'm, I have a fascination with all that occult stuff. Mm. And yeah, that song really gives all of, it really invokes all of that. And it's just so intense. I'm with you, Alan. Yeah. So moving things into the absurd. Um yeah. I, I love the general sort of some of the si- just absolutely silly what the hell is this kind of stuff that Halloween music gives us, right? <laughs> so first off, I, I think Alan will know this more than Anthony, but Alan, if I say the words Burt Convy to you, what do you think? You think of the game show host, right? Yes. 
So he made a Halloween record. Yeah, he made okay. a Halloween record. Uh, it's I, called The Monster's Hop. It was a novelty record. I don't think I know this. It is amazing. How do I not know about this? Yeah. So th- this is the kind of weird shit I do for Halloween, right? So um, it's amazing. It's called The Monster's Hop. Right? All right. The other one is Ted Cassidy um, from the Adams Family made a Halloween record called The Lurch. And there's a oh. dance for it. Yeah, right? I've heard of that one. It is, it is absolutely probably my favorite, one of my favorite Halloween songs because he's on American Bandstand yeah. or or um, whatever the, the, the little pop um, shindig or whatever, right? In character. He does not break character for the entire time. And then uh, and people forget that Ted Cassidy was a famous Broadway sing- song and dance man, right? So out of nowhere, you can look up the videos on YouTube. He starts busting out these dance moves but he's dressed as Lurch. Um, and it's amazing. Um, it is just so bizarrely, stupidly great that uh, it needs to be heard. Hmm. It is as awesome as Nightmare on My Street isn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something right there. <laughs> yeah. But those are sort of like my two, like get me in the mood things. And I still love, you know, I still love, the one-eyed purple people eater and the monster mash, right? Yeah. Um, the thing about the monster mash is that, you know, I, I don't think Boris Pickett had a lot of free time because he made like all these Halloween records. There's, he, yeah. he even did like a monster's rap. It's like, dude, quit yeah. by your head, right? Yeah. So really for the sake of everyone, just listen to the one Boris Pickett Halloween song, the monster mash, mm-hmm. call it. Uh, the blob is really good. You know, I, I, I know Anthony already mentioned this, but, Pet Cemetery by the Ramones is just still great. Boning in the Boneyard by Fishbone, also great. Uh, Ghost Town by Specials. These are kind of my go-tos. Yeah. Ghost Town's an interesting one because uh, despite the title, you know, it's fundamentally about economic depression in London, but <laughs> somehow it's its tone and so on works really, really well on a Halloween playlist. So and I, some of that, I think, is, is used in Shaun of the Dead. It is. It mm. is. I, I just find that fascinating when a song that was ostensibly written about one thing somehow works in a totally different context. Mm-hmm. And I think Ghost Town is a classic example of that. So it's really interesting you bring that up, Rob. And I agree. It, it absolutely does work as a Halloween song, even if it's not how they intended it. I've got a couple of others. I mean, from the Captain Obvious category, somebody's watching me. I yes. mean, you, you got to have that on any Halloween playlist. Thriller's got to be on there. Um, Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. You know, Superstition, Stevie Wonder. Supersti- yeah, Superstition, I 100% agree with. The other ones, I'm like, it depends. If I'm making a playlist for me, they don't go on it. If I'm making it for a party and other people are going to hear it, yes. It ha- they All those have to be on it. So Colleen's playlist has some interesting ones. So she's got a couple of Louis Armstrong songs on there. Yeah. Um, Skeleton in the Closet and Spooks. And then also she has a Gil Scott Heron track on there, Me and the Devil, which I thought was really interesting because I wasn't <laughs> expecting to see that. Yeah. Um, at, at your party a couple of weekends ago, I was really impressed with the playlist. There was some yeah. stuff that I would never have expected to hear and some stuff that was totally new to me. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I kept, it was playing on your TV and I kept looking over to see 
who is it that's doing whatever this track is that I had never heard before? I really, really enjoyed it. So tell tell Colleen, great job. I'll make sure she listens to this. The the other okay. thing I love that she had on there that was unexpected, and and I feel like I have to justify this, but she had Gimme 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 by ABBA on there. And the reason for that is Community did a Halloween episode where half the cast get turned into zombies. <laughs> and um, as they're running through, uh, and at this party, this Halloween party in the library, um, the the dean's playlist is stuck to ABBA. So there's a scene of them being chased through the library by zombies to gimme, gimme, gimme. That's awesome. And that's why that ended up on there, even though it doesn't sound like mm-hmm. Halloween. Yeah, I love that. I love that, like, sort of, like, unexpected con- context, you know, mm-hmm. that leans. So I've got one kind of like that, that I is one of my absolute go-tos. It's a band called October Project. And their first single was called Bury My Lovely which has a dark connotation to it. The, the title just sounds, you know, spooky. The song isn't necessarily anything to do with Halloween, but the album cover is a sepia-toned photo of, I don't know what time period it is. It, it suggests like 50s or something. And it's a, a child in a sort of like a homemade costume with a sort of like a homemade trick-or-treat bag. So they're really leaning into the October part of their name. And the video is very similar. It's a sepia tone thing. And it, and it kind of like leans toward the, the trick or treat motif. And because of that, that song is, I mean, I can listen to it in June and it makes me feel like it's Halloween time. I love it so much. There's also, you know, I know you hearken back to Lee Armstrong, but Bing Crosby made a record with the Andrews sisters called the Yodel and Jive that still holds up really well. Hmm. Um, and you could bookend it with something contemporary like the scroll that zippers hell. And it doesn't sound like there's been any gap in time, mm-hmm. which is, which is pretty great. Also, you know, there, my life with the thrill kill cult is one of these bands. I sort of also kind of can um, think of with Halloween because they made, you know, I see good spirits. I see bad spirits. They have confessions of a knife. They made all these records about like murder and killing and, things you know they have like daisy chain for satan for example right um <laughs> and uh yeah i mean the devil does drugs right um yeah so there's sort of this like sort of kitschy cabaret industrial thing that just sort of like every year kind of oh yeah this record they're all long so that's kind of a thing and and you know the one record as much as al jorgensen hates it uh he probably gets a very fat check every halloween for every day it's like halloween Mm. which um, the 12 inch is like 10 minutes long. Right. So like anybody that grew up in a, in the dance club culture of the late eighties, probably through the nineties heard this like crazy for like at least four weeks in every club they went to Susie and the Banshees made a Halloween song called Halloween. That's great. Yeah. They also um, have a song called spellbound, which is fantastic. Which is also great too. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, her little side project that she did with Robert Smith, the glove mm. have a Halloween song. And I would be I would be remiss if I did not refer to "Eaten by the Monster of Love" by Sparks. So we get our Sparks reference in. I was, I was trying for to think Sparks. of one. I was trying to think of one. I'm glad you found one, Rob. Yeah. Sorry. I I think touching on Susie that kind of brings us naturally. And Alan, you already mentioned Bauhaus, but that entire goth scene. Yeah. Obviously, the imagery is yeah. there, and then it kind of spins off into dark wave and you get some pretty interesting bands that just generally sound very very spooky 
Mm. Um, particularly in the more modern scene, um, Mortis, a Norwegian oh. guy mm. who for a while was putting on prosthetics and dressing as a goblin, um, did some pretty interesting stuff that's really, really good as uh, as Halloween fodder. The Grudge as a particular track is fantastic. There's a band called Sopo Eternus and the, and the Ensemble of Shadows. That is um, one person under a pseudonym based out of Germany and their track Death House just sounds so unbelievably eerie and spooky. Mm. Um, and it's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. I was going to bring up the Dickies, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which was kind of spawned from the movie The Same Name. And, you know, Lou Reed loved him some, himself some Halloween because he made the entire album, The Raven, um, which is kind of at times unlistenable, but the William Defoe reading of the Edgar Allan Poe, uh, The Raven on that is pretty great. And then he made a uh, an album, or he made a, a song called Edgar Allan, that's on uh, New York. That's really fun. So there's a, if you want to dig around into something a little more contemporary and we talked about 1977, but if you want to look at some of the f- people that were in the 77 movement, they too made Halloween records kind of um, talking heads, not really a, not technically a Halloween record, but psycho killer, psycho killer. Yeah. You know, yeah. Television's got, you know, see no evil. Um, so that era of New York is certainly filled with Halloween records. So, Anthony, you talking about the guy dressing like a goblin. I don't know if I'll keep this in the show when I tell you this story, but I saw a meme today and it was this kind of overtly gay guy who's talking about Halloween. It's Halloween season and I'm going as a goblin. Going to be goblin that dick. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, God, I thought that was hilarious. Um, So... I did want to touch a little on, I already mentioned Mortis and his kind of goblin prosthetics and all that nonsense, but I did want to touch on bands that look like Halloween yeah, as opposed to necessarily make Halloween songs. You know, I'm thinking like Slipknot with their masks shtick. Yeah. I'm thinking Mushroom Head, who did something very similar. Bands that deliberately play up that creepiness or that horror vibe in the way that they present themselves and don't forget guar i was oh, still yeah. Guar. <laughs> oh yeah. my god and once yeah. you get to guar you get to lordy as well you know mm. those kind of bands who are willing to put on so much stuff and strut around on stage under right. the hot lighting right that's some dedication yeah and it looks absolutely. really cool yeah and a lot of that stuff goes back to the originator. I have to I have to mention it because yes. I've got like three dozen songs of his on my Halloween playlist, and that's Alice Cooper. Yep. And uh, you know, the obvious one is Welcome to My Nightmare, which I absolutely love. It's kitschy, but it's it's you know, different bands of his have played it different ways. Sometimes it comes across more rock, but it's definitely got like a vaudeville kind of playful. Uh, feel to it but there's so many songs of his that i absolutely love and are always on my halloween things and that's like you know black widow sick things which i absolutely love i and, love the dead and cold if you listen, ethel sorry go ahead and if you listen to welcome to my nightmare as an album yes that track that leads into the black widow yes devil's food 
yeah, so yeah, 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 Devil's yeah. Food, which leads into the Black Widow, and you've got Vincent Price as the curator talking about, you know, how magnificent the Black Widow is, and it's so wonderfully eerie and creepy yeah. as it builds up and up and up and up, yeah. and then suddenly it's silence. These words we speak are true. We're all mm. just humanary stew if yeah. we don't pledge allegiance to the Black Widow. And mm. then comes in the song, and it's just fantastic yeah and you know you have to wonder did michael jackson have any knowledge of this when no. he was thinking of thriller no. i would be surprised if he did but you know I, there's there's so many alice cooper songs and even like one of the more recent ones well not recent at this point but brutal planet like it, it's nothing at all to do with halloween but I, I still get that vibe from it and it's probably my favorite alice cooper song and even though it is campy as fuck and funny and not to be taken seriously, Feed My Frankenstein. Yeah. God damn it. I love that song. And that was the opening song on his current tour that he's doing. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's that, like, it's nothing at all to do with Frankenstein. It's about his sex drive, you know? Feed My Libido. And I, I love that. I love that mix of imagery. There's, um, a track on one of his more recent albums, um, Paranoic Personality. Oh, yeah, that's track. a great song. Yeah, And again, it's not overtly Halloween-y, but it kind of has the right kind of... I mean, it's Alice Cooper, so of course it has the right kind of vibe. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's one that I would, if the playlist was left to me, put on the playlist, for sure. Yeah. And he's so... He to immerse himself so much in Halloween that he is like Oingo Boingo, one of those people you just instantly think of going to, you get to Halloween records, right? And it's like, pick one. 100%. Yeah. Um, If you are a fan of uh, Thriller and hearing Vincent Price, if you get the reissued CD that they came out with a couple years ago, it just has the takes of him doing Mm. the rap from Thriller, but the laugh is extended. So if you ever just want to play that by itself... It's awesome. I also, since we're talking about Vincent Price, um, whose house is seven blocks from me, I cannot help but mention the Christopher Lee metal albums. I know they're not technically technically Halloween, but it's Christopher Lee, and you can't get much more Halloween than that. Yes, agreed. And, you know, when we were, when I asked the question at the beginning of the show, I do tend to think more toward metal or hard rock when it comes to Halloween, even though my playlist doesn't necessarily reflect that because my playlist is all over the place. But that sort of like darker imagery that most metal bands have just says Halloween to me. And and then you look at kind of the lineage and where it goes. I think you have kind of the obvious successes to Alice's legacy, right? Mm-hmm. And for a while, and I'm going to mention someone else who turned out to be an enormously shitty person, but for a while it looked like the obvious successor yeah. to that was Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson, yeah. Um, and he did the shock rock thing to a T. The difference is Alice Cooper, by all accounts, is a genuinely lovely man. Yes. Whereas Marilyn kind of seems like all of that shock stuff is his actual personality and he's just a piece of shit. But for a while, I mean, he really embodied it and he even covered This Is Halloween. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of darker side of rock is is there. And Alan, you already mentioned uh, White... I think you said White Zombie, but Rob Zombie in his solo work as well uh, with songs like Dragula. 
Yes. Um, very, very much part of that legacy of Alice Cooper. Yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. There's a couple of soundtracks that have some really good material on it. And the first one that I think of is lost boys, which is a fantastic collection of songs, but it's got a couple of things on it that, that are always on my Halloween playlist and people are strange, which was originally by the doors, but echo and the bunny men covered it for the soundtrack. And either version is phenomenal, but the last, the, I think it's the last track on the album cry little sister by gerard mcmahon holy shit that's a great song yeah i love that song so much i kept that was one of the ones that i always wanted hyperdrive to play and we never did and that breaks my heart because man that's a great great tune i think the entire soundtrack for the crow for me was kind of like my my sort of 90s uh halloween soundtrack Mm go-to and you know they have released finally i can't believe it's never officially been released but the vince garaldi uh, Great Pumpkin Halloween soundtrack has finally like been remastered and released. Oh, cool! And that, those songs are so etched in my, you know, consciousness that you you just put them on before you even play the record. You hear them in your head. Yes, and it's just nice to have sort of something if you want to have a break from all the other stuff to have that. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's sort of becoming my new my new Halloween thing as, as well. And um, you know, I think that almost any soundtrack that Danny Elfman did for a Tim Burton movie is ideal for Halloween. True. They're all True. just so spot on perfect. Yeah. So earlier in the show, we mentioned that there wasn't a lot of hip hop in the spooky mm-hmm. Halloween type genre. I did want to give a shout out and, you know, this might get some, some groans knowing who this is, but um, DJ, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince with a nightmare on my street. Didn't we mention that earlier? I mentioned it earlier, yeah. Oh. He mentioned it derisively. <laughs> Shit. But, but so okay. you, you, can still you give it. us yeah, you give us the counterbalance for that. I, I enjoy it. I, I kind of love the fact they got sued over it. <laughs> um yeah. and forced to destroy their video for it. But apparently, and I didn't realize this, it because I, while we were talking, I was trying to figure out if it was actually an official track on a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It was not, which is why they got sued. But there is an entire genre called horrorcore, which is horror hip hop. Mm. I'm not that familiar with it, but it is out there. So, dear listener, if you're curious, apparently the uh, the big players are a group called the Fat Boys who did a song called Are You Ready for Freddy, which actually oh, yeah. featured on the fourth Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I remember that. Um, also, um, I mean, the obvious one is Insane Clown Posse. Um, right. Personally, no thank you, but hey, <laughs> you do you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it it's a whole... Um, it's a whole genre that I didn't even realize it existed. Um, Bone Thugs and Harmony apparently did a did an album called E99 Eternal that had songs called Mr. Ouija 2, Mo Murder, East 1999, and Duh Introduction, which have all of which have occult themes to them. So oh, nice. uh, if you want to be way more down with the kids than either of us or any of us are, yeah. go check them out. Outcast, I can't think of it off the top of my head, has kind of a halloweeny song i remember that i think gorillas have one um you know 
Well, I, I remember with Gorillas, the video to Clint Eastwood was very Halloweeny because it has yeah. kind of z- zombie, zombie gorillas in it, and <laughs> it's pretty cool. I always enjoyed that video when I was a kid. Mm. I got a couple of other soundtrack things that I want to throw out there. The first one is so fucking obvious that I shouldn't even mention it. Ghostbusters? God, no. No, that song sucks. Even though I referenced it at the beginning of the show. But um, the Halloween theme from the the original Halloween movie by John Carpenter is so amazing. It's so perfect. It is so spooky and just puts you in that mood. And the fact that the whole thing is in 5-4 just has that off-kilter feel to it that just makes you feel like something is not right. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love it. So that one is the super obvious one. One that might not be as obvious. You might not think of it in terms of Halloween or a Halloween playlist. And that is the Twin Peaks theme. Yes. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I think that whole... I, yeah, I that whole that, soundtrack and the, and that Julie Cruz album, yes, itself is all very sort of ethereal. In the same way that a lot of the Mazzy Star stuff, I kind of think of like yeah. Mazzy Star and Julie Cruz as kind of being Halloween adjacent. And I know mm-hmm. you're mentioning soundtracks. While I don't love the movie Psycho, I love the Bernard Herrmann score. Oh for yeah, it. it's it's really timeless. So it's I know brilliant. And I know you were talking about soundtracks, but sorry to to cut in. No, I, I mean if if we're going for scores, the score to that first Hellraiser movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That yeah. is masterful, in my opinion. Well, Agreed. Any of the Clive Barker films, like even Nightbreed, you know, yeah. the score is amazing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want to get into Hellraiser 3, the uh, Ozzy Osbourne slash Motorhead song, Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. Which is on the, on the soundtrack, not the score, is... I, I love that song. Um, I'm not sure which version I prefer better because honestly, both Ozzy and Lemmy great on me vocally, but uh, musically, <laughs> oof, Zach Wild, phenomenal. Yeah, and then you've got Bark at the Moon. You know, that's an obvious oh, one yeah. from Ozzy. You know, yeah. there's another one too. You know, speaking of um, October Project, their lead singer did after they kind of broke up. She did her own thing solo and. Um, she has a song called Exiles, which is the theme song for the Anne Rice book, The Wolves of Midwinter. And it's used as both um, incidental music and as the, the full song plays as the theme on the audiobook of the novel. And mm-hmm. so it's all werewolfy and stuff. And man, it's a phenomenal song. So I will say the playlist is coming because I'm working on it. Uh, I've gotten so head deep into Halloween this year that I'm making um, a mixed collection of like really great Mexican Halloween music because there is so much amazing. um, Like it's almost as kitschy as the stuff in the fifties and sixties here. Nice. But there is so much of it that's associated with like Dio de las Muertas. And it's a lot of it's like crazy, like just instrumental guitar stuff with howling in it, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get a chance just to dive into that on your own in your spare time, I recommend that in the same way that you just pick, you know, pick your favorite, favorite scary movie and, and, and dive into the soundtrack. Yeah. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, totally. All right. Any last things that we got on our list that we haven't talked about? Um, Spirits of the Material World by the Police, which I hmm. love. 
Um, yeah. I do love that record tremendously. Um, you talked about Boogie Monster, which is which is of course awesome. Um, God, and I never heard that before yesterday. I don't know yeah. how it escaped me, but man, I love it. I I have a couple more soundtrack things. Um, so firstly, from what we do in the shadows, "You're Dead" by Norma Tanega. Hmm. Love that track. Love love both the movie and the series. And then also the uh, the show Lucifer has a lot of great songs across the entire show that just reference the devil because obviously that's who yeah. he is. Um, <laughs> I don't want to kind of single anything out in particular. Just anything from that tends to be pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, cool. and I also... I also want to want to throw out uh, Hammer Horror by Kate Bush. Oh, yeah. I would never yeah. thought of that, but that's which a is, great one. Which is one I love every year. And then we talked about this a little bit last week, but the B-52's Devil in My Car yeah. paired with probably the other great Halloween party record, uh, Monster in My Past by uh, Fred Schneider and the Shake Society, which is sort of a one-off single that he did. And... Um, it's just fun. If you just, you know, that's the great thing about Halloween music is it, it can just be useless, uh, mindlessly fun. It's yeah. glorious escapism at its best. And that, that Fred Schneider song, Monster in My Pants, is again about his libido. So it pairs beautifully with Feed My Frankenstein. <laughs> There's a monster in my pants and it does a nasty dance. Anyway, can't sing anymore. Or we'll owe somebody royalties. <laughs> right. Or, you know, um, eardrum replacements. <laughs> Wait, that's only when I sing. Oh, no, I don't sing either, so it's good. And I still have to say, I know it's the common thing in the world, but man, Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters still holds up well. Yeah. I mean, it has the it, best lyric of all time, which is, Bustin' makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I mean, yes, it's overplayed. And yes, we kind of side shadow it, you know, now because it's just so, it's like, oh my God, here we are again, right? But taken as, you know, a four and a half minute pop record, it's yeah. still pretty great compared to how much yeah. other horrible stuff is in the same way that Rockwell is still great, right? Yeah. Um, so Ghost, Ghostbusters, there's a reason I can't take it entirely seriously. There was this one kid in the year above me in high school who had this little Fiat. That was his car, and his parents had some money, and they had paid to like upgrade his stereo system with some ridiculous fucking subwoofer. And my school <laughs> overlooked Wimbledon Common. And one day, this kid, you literally hear from across Wimbledon Common, and ever since that incident... And he thought he was so cool. And he was like, yeah, I'm having a party, man. I'm like, it's it's literally 8 a.m. on a fucking Wednesday. <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, oh, as God. a result of that, I haven't quite been able to take that song particularly seriously. I, I mean, I don't think it's meant to be taken seriously, but I, it's so out of context for me because yeah. I just think mm -hmm. how ridiculous this kid was. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Stevie Bridger's Halloween is oh, great. I have not heard that. Yeah, that's really good. Hmm. Um, Sonic Youth's Halloween, The Dead Kennedys' Halloween. Yeah. Lots of great records. 
cool. All right. That's it for us this week. If there is something that we haven't mentioned, if there's something that you listener love and says Halloween to you and always makes your playlist, email us and let us know. You can email us at modernmusicology1 at gmail, or you can leave a comment anywhere you're listening to this episode or um, on Facebook where you see our posts. So that's going to wrap it up for us until next Halloween. And we'll do it all again and probably mention all the same stuff that we just did. So, Anthony, where can people find more about you on the Internet? Well, as always, you can also find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast, uh, which can be found in all of the places where you like to get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, etc., etc. Probably even where you're listening to this show. Um, we can also be found on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at Watches4D. And if anyone wants to follow me personally, I'm most active on Instagram, and you can find me at, at Englishman in ATL. Nice. Rob. So if you are hanging out in your dungeon and you're looking for something to do on Wednesday nights, you can turn in, uh, tune into Juxtaposition. Uh, it's my radio show. It's 7 to 9 on Wednesday Central Time. But uh, perhaps you're eating all your candy and you forget about that. You can listen anytime you want because all the shows are archived for two long weeks uh, at kdhx.org. Uh, I'm also around on the needcoffee.com podcasts and a few other places here and there. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and the gram. The gram. All right. So I've got 800 podcasts. And it's stupid and ridiculous, but I've got one called Alan's Record Bin, which is about uh, individual songs from my collection that I just talk about for 10 minutes. I've got a new Doctor Who one called Doctor Who A to Z, and episode two will be out in a couple of days reviewing the final episode of Jodie Whittaker. And I've got, um, I was going to say Modern Musicology, but no, 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 don't need to say that one. I've got my trek podcast earth station trek and i've got my little publishing company called cosmic press i need to just make a link tree and yes. just just put all that shit in one place but we'll, we'll do that later anyway i also want to mention really quickly that you should look for stephanie seymour on all the various platforms of social media you can find her current single there was a time and her first solo album there are birds at spotify and other streaming services you can find her on instagram at there underscore r underscore birds and her website is therearebirds.com so please go and visit her and give her some and also look for there was a time on youtube uh it's a very very fun video so go give it a couple of more hits so that's it for us thanks so much we're have a Everybody have a great week. Hope you had a safe and fun Halloween. We will see you again next week. Everyone take care. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>